Pion, 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 pion. It's Thirsty Thursday, Mark. Uh, how's everybody doing? Uh, my name is Matt. Sometimes I go by the Grass Factor. Martin. Uh, alongside me, we have Ray Edo. Uh, Demay may or may not be able to make it tonight. He is efforting. He's got real world involved, and we know how the real world goes. The real world is rarely merciful. It is mostly merciless. And so, you know, there's if there's one thing that we know well, it is the is that when it when it calls, you must you must answer the call and uh, and deal with it. <laughs> so. We'll see if he's able to make it or not. If not, no problem. We will we will continue on in his absence and do the best we can. And uh, maybe Ray or I will play uh, Ryan's role of trying to bring you a middle of middle of the road approach, a more <laughs> a more sensical approach than typically what what Ray and I will provide. I don't know. I don't know if we have it in us, Ray. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, don't we. Get on it. <laughs> Yeah, we are going to take some questions from the audience tonight. However, before we we start opening things up wide open, uh, we have a ton of uh, write-ins, and uh, so we'll we'll go ahead and, and fly through these real quick. Uh, the first one is from uh, Grass Thief. He has been applying phosphite um, according to the label instructions, and he's wondered if wondering if it should be watered in. Uh, yes, after a certain point. Here's the thing is that it's going to dry pretty quickly. Uh, so all the foliar absorption that you're going to get from it is going to happen quickly and then, and then water it. Right. So if you, if you spray it in the morning and you water it in in the afternoon, that's fine. If you spray it in the afternoon and you, you knock it off the leaf before, before uh, you go to bed, that's fine. Uh, if you wait till the next day, that's fine. The, it's just, it, uh, phosphites are, um, uh, a salty compound. And so I, uh, you know, Ideally, when it's really hot outside, you don't want to let it sit. Uh, if you've ever seen uh, phosphite crystals form on the on the grass blades, that's a real thing that happens. You'll spray a phosphite, and then the next day the grass turns white. Um, uh, so anyway, just knocking it off the leaf will uh, will will save you from at least having to experience that. Uh, typically, at label rates, you're not going to burn anything, so it is what it is. Uh, then we have Bryce from Northeast Georgia of the mountains at the corner of Tennessee, Georgia, North Carolina. What's up, B. Rice? Uh, he's got fescue, very short. He seeded Mazama Kentucky bluegrass into it, and it is growing like wildfire. Uh, any tips on reducing vertical growth and encouraging lateral spread other than mowing often? It's over 80s, touched in low 90s, and the stuff doesn't slow down. It's wild. I'm seeing probably an inch and a half a week or more in growth. Uh, this is growth mm. regulator territory, right? And, uh, and so, yep. <laughs> you know, we have, what, this is, if you'll hear people talk about T-Nex or, uh, 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 and pack ethyl, uh, you'll hear people talk about a new, those are probably going to be the most common on the homeowner market. Um, and if you, since you don't know about these, um, and based on where you are personally, I would probably start with a new, um, uh, more so than I would, I would T next. What, what, what do you think about that, Ray? Would you start with the new or T next? I would rather see a new on uh, turf type tall fisk and Kentucky bluegrass for several it reasons. It seems more forgiving, right? More forgiving, less chance of slamming the grass into the dirt. And at the same time, as far as the rebound from regulation. Once you've run out of the anew, 
it's a lot less severe versus that roller coaster ride that Trinixapac can put you on. So as a first time PGR user on a cool season grass in the transition zone, I would say start at approximately half to three quarters the label rate of a new on that and, grass and see how you do. <laughs> and here's the other thing, Bryce, is that you typically would not reapply based on a given schedule, like a date, you know, where on mm -hmm. a 30-day interval or a 25-day interval. Growing degree days no. are typically how you would gauge your uh your reapplication interval. Uh Ray, what growing degree day reapplication interval would you use for a new? I would be looking at at least 300 to 350. And the other factor to consider now, Matt, is what is this guy's height of cut? Because, you know, if somebody is working on what I call rough height grass or home lawn height grass, then your reapp interval is probably a little bit more because, you know, when you have longer, taller grasses, they tend to absorb a lot more of the PGR versus, say, somebody that is mowing at T height or green height, for example, which is shorter than your standard home lawn. Yeah. Yep. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a differential. And the first place I became aware of this is when I heard reports from the golf people about how the collars and surrounds of the green being half inch, three quarter inch Kentucky bluegrass, for example, were being way over-regulated versus their one-tenth inch bent grass. You know, same PGR, same rate, but then that overspray from the green was slamming the Kentucky bluegrass into the dirt. It was too much. Yep. I yep. think a similar thing can happen when you're working on a lawn height cool season mix is be very careful about your rate and how often you apply because, you know, a lot of these growing degree day calculations, they are based on green height grass. Yeah, that's Dr. Bill Kreuzer working on the bent greens. Yeah. So you, you actually have to do this where you make an application and then you carefully observe when it takes effect. And when the grass starts coming out of regulation so that you know for your individual situation how your grass is going to react and how long it's going to stay in regulation given your particular set of circumstances. I, I, I cannot give a one-size-fits-all, by-the-numbers type of answer because there's just a lot of variables that go into how to use and apply a PGR. Exactly. And, you know, again, a new would be the most forgiving. Uh, so I have a start there. Like Ray said, you know, reduced rates from label rates uh, and then, mm -hmm. you know, set set a target reapplication interval. We'll say start at 350. And uh, and as mm -hmm. you get further along into your applications, uh, you know, experiment a little bit. Right. Maybe extend it to 400 one time, maybe shorten it to mm -hmm. 300 uh, for an application and see if you um, uh 
see see which one you like more, right? And uh, if you're getting the level of suppression you need, or are you getting an off color look that you may not be happy with? And uh, and so that that fine piece ultimately is going to be up to your grass and your growing conditions uh, and what you prefer, right? And uh, so the only thing mm-hmm. we can do is get you started in a direction, and then from that point you'll have to get it figured out from there. Uh, Tyler says. A recent discussion on your show regarding carrier pH in the tank mix, I began checking my water source and I found my well providing a pH of around 7.5. Uh, number one, while not noticing poor pesticide performance in the past, could I see better results with lowering the pH to 5.5 with the use of citric acid? I could one use lower rates by having pH adjusted properly? Uh, theoretically, yes. Um, uh, if you're mm, at 7.5, yeah. though, like, are, is that going to be the game changer by taking it to 5.5 with, with 2,4-D? Or taking it from seven and a half to five and a half with, uh, I will say, sulfentrazone. You know, it's arbitrary herbicides I'm throwing out there. Uh, mm-hmm. Chances are, uh, probably not. You know, is it is it is it going to be you being able to cut your rate by three quarters and and being and being wild by it? No. <laughs> no. I uh, no. You know, if you. Uh, you know, if you're running a full rate and you adjust your pH, you know, are you going to see less? Uh, carry through through that application, maybe that's possible, right? And uh, so less less survival uh, from that application of weeds that are typically controlled, as long as they're not you know full fledged uh, in resistance, right? So, um, would you if I, I don't know if you're a homeowner or not, but it, or if you if you have a lot of experience spraying you know lawns and various weeds with uh, with certain chemistries. Um, then chances are you might be able to notice the slight difference that it would provide. Uh, if you don't have that experience, chances are you, you likely wouldn't notice it because a seven and a half isn't awful. And Hell typically yeah. most things are still going to be okay if you're mixing and spraying immediately after mixing right there. Right <laughs> now, if you're mixing at a seven and a half and you're letting it sit in your tank for a week and then making your application, yeah, that's, that's probably going to be a problem. Right. And uh, and then, yeah, you would be super happy that you did some some uh, tank modifications at that point. Right. From a homeowner's perspective, can you think of any herbicides off the top of your head that at a seven and a half that is going to degrade so quickly that, um, you know, you you just you know damn well it's going to be a game changer by by adjusting your tank to five and a half. None that I know of. None that I know of, really. However, As you said earlier, the issue will become when you adjust your pH downward, how many of the weeds that used to survive application are now taken off? You know, just taken out, taken out of the equation because what pH does or pH modification does is it just adds that extra bit of efficacy to your application that is needed on the harder to control weed. You just need it because, you know, when researchers do their trials, do you know that they're often using like deionized or distilled water mat? Yes. Yes. And, and when like say Syngenta or BASF is, doing their own testing, initial testing, you know, pre-market, that oftentimes they're doing their 10-square-foot test plots with deionized or distilled. 
you know, they're mixing their their tank in the lab and taking it out to their test site. Yeah, to, so, to create, a, you know, uniformity across applications, right? So that way water can't be yeah. one of the contributing factors to failure of, of the yeah, water can't be water cannot be the variable. So, mm-hmm. but then when we get out to the real world where we have water with high mineral content, water with high pH, and by the way, you know, a lot of your high pH water, that is on purpose. Because... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Water municipalities have an obligation to adjust water so that that water going through the municipal water system does not dissolve or erode metals. Mm -hmm. And what they're concerned about is lead, copper, and zinc becoming soluble in in the water. Go ask Flint, Michigan what happens when lead becomes soluble in water. It's catastrophic. Uh, yeah, we call that uh, no bueno 100% of the time, every time. Yeah, so that that is why oftentimes a municipality adjusts water pH to 7.5 just because that is the pH at which most common metals oh, yeah. are no longer soluble in the water. I mean, it's, it's, for, it's for a good reason. However, you know that water that is pH adjusted with things like sodium carbonate and sodium phosphates, that can then become an interfering factor with a lot of your herbicides. Yeah. And yeah. you know, at home, I did this where I mixed myself up a bottle of glyphosate in reverse osmosis water. And I kept that bottle on the side for a couple of weeks and then I finally I saw weed and I wanted it dead so I grabbed that bottle that was some of the best working glyphosate I've ever used and I'm not talking about a very high rate of glyphosate either (laughs) yeah you you know it again it it can have definitely an impact on on what you're doing Um, you know again if you if you spray for a living and you're, you, it's one of those things you're gonna notice just over time. You're you're gonna you're gonna notice mm-hmm. it because you're you know what to expect when you apply it. Um, so anyway, uh, again at a seven and a half, that's not terrible. Uh, you know, keep it keep it in the back of your head. Mm-hmm. Maybe try it a couple times. You know, gauge gauge response. How about this? Maybe make half an application with pH adjusted, the other half of the application without pH adjustment, and then. Uh, you know, use use that as a see what happens. A, a check against yeah, against the, var- the variable mm-hmm. of water. But uh, number two, mm-hmm. it says irrigation water can influence soil pH. However, what is the likelihood that one hose dragging cycle of an inch of water two weeks prior to a soil test could skew said soil test? For example, a 2019 soil test showed a pH of 6.8 on a non-irrigated lawn using no other buffering agents. The next soil test this year showed a pH of 7.4. Same lab was used. Turf was watered no other time than uh, a few weeks prior to taking samples. Am I looking at a skewed test uh, given my water pH is showing similar of what soil showed in the latest test? Okay. I wouldn't think that the irrigation water in that instance two weeks after the fact would have it moved that much. 
Now, here's the other thing is that we'll say you applied ammonium sulfate before your previous soil test, and then it was not mm-hmm. applied before your second soil test. Your pH may actually be closer to 7.4, and your application of ammonium sulfate skewed it down on that test, right? I just don't think a single watering, literally the the buffering capacity of your water would have to be so high to move it 0.6 points over a period of two weeks. It's like, it's it's amazing. I mean, you, you... I don't know if you could get down hydrated lime at a rate that could do that and not kill the grass, right? So um, actually, Matt, you can you can get hydrated <laughs> lime down at that. I do it. Remember There's when right. I got to get pH back back up from from six back up to six point five. Uh, that's where that five pound per thousand of hydrated lime comes in handy. But when we're talking about actual like municipal water, there's not enough alkalines and buffering agents present in that water to make the pH go up that high. However, my next question is, exactly what kind of soil tests did you have run? Yeah, I was thinking about that as well. Yeah, I mean, that's that's our our next question yeah, he said lab, and I would assume that if he was talking about uh, my soil, he would not refer to it as a lab. And I, that's, that's just me giving I would the hope benefit not. of the doubt, right? Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> so, but if, you, if it is, if it's a, I can't remember the other one, it's my soil, and then who's, what's, what's the other one? Uh I, I can't remember the other the other Home Depot one that's like my soil but uh a different a different brand. Uh I do I do not remember. Uh yeah. point being if it, if it's my soil, you have to take it and 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 drop it in that uh in that in that plastic container that has a um a what looks to be like a filter in it, then no, that is not reliable. That is not an actual lab. Soil savvy is the other one that I'm thinking of. Um uh, so yeah, that would be not reliable and, uh, and then actually use a reputable lab to, to get that figured out. Uh, you would be look, you know, a Malik three is going to be like a standardized, you know, uh, a, a, a general, it will correlate with just about everything we do, uh, in the industry, especially if you're, you know, at, you know, roughly a six and a half to a seven and a half, a Malik three is probably going to be, uh, uh, a nice general foundation to, to give you everything you need to know. So anyway, I hope that answers your questions. Uh, uh, Tyler Rob from North Carolina. What's up, dude? Uh, <laughs> he, we had the turf kid, Ryan Dion. He had recommended his book, turf grass management by Kaminsky and Turgeon. There are many editions. Which edition is good for starters? It doesn't matter. Um, the latest one would be the, uh, would be the one you want. And if I can't recall, um, uh, let's see, it came out, when was this 2000, was it 20, 2019, 2018. Uh, let me, let me, let me look it up real quick. Uh, uh, oops. Okay. Let's. Let's zoom through here. 
yes, it was published in on September 1st, 2019. Uh, so this would be edition 1.0. Uh, I personally don't know any editions outside of that. Um, I have read this one. It's great. It's a nice low level introduction of uh, giving you a solid uh, soil RX blip blop ride is perfectly fine. That is a, uh, that is a good one. Um, uh, soil RX is a Malik three test. Uh, the, the other two mm-hmm. are what's called an ion exchange resin. And that's what we're trying to avoid is the ion exchange resin because we have documented over the last several years, um, uh, comparative results, uh, same lawn, uh, same, same soil that was sampled, uh, compared with a, a real lab, uh, versus their lab and, you know, being a half a, a, a point of pH off. Right. So, you know, what soil savvy's saying, or, or my soil is saying, uh, a 6.5, uh, the actual lab is, is, uh, a 7.1. And then we actually, uh, uh manually test it ourselves by doing a one-to-one by weight of water to soil with, a, with a, uh, a calibrated pH meter. And it comes in at a 7.12, right. Uh, which just goes yeah. to show, uh, that, uh, mm-hmm. we have replicated, uh, personally, we have replicated along with the community has replicated the failure of being able to accurately identify the pH of a soil test, uh, from, Soil savvy and my soil—they're—they're they're just ineffective in that regard. Um, yeah, but yeah, uh, Kaminsky's book, Edition One Point Turf Grass Management—it's a—it's an easy, easy read. It makes sense, uh, easy to reference, and gives you a nice general overview of uh, an introduction into what exactly is turf grass management. Uh, Mule Rider says, "I'm looking at ways how to increase moisture retention in the wife's flower garden. Any tips on that?" Uh, get on TRT and, uh, and start, wait, wait, I don't hang on, Matt. I think not, I, I, not think I that, misread not, the question there. Yeah. Sorry. I, I know. I know that what, was my fault. Yeah. Okay. To bring this back to PG rated, uh, <laughs> what I probably would, would tell you is, do you know where else I use wedding agents, Matt? I actually use wedding agent in landscaping. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You know to get you know you know to get through hydrophobic layers in, in a landscape and landscapes can be prone to hydrophobic layers because those are the places where there are layers sometimes of dissimilar materials and peat moss brought in as the potting media that the ornamentals and flowers are planted in at the nursery. I mean there's all kinds of things that can happen, right? So in order to overcome that and more uniformly wet the soil profile, sometimes that's where I turn that uh, underhill pellet pro gun with the pellet of wetting agent, and mm-hmm. I start gunning down people's flower beds and landscape areas just to break through all of that layer of dissimilar materials. Yeah, I, I just, uh, that is something to consider and keep in mind is that when you have dissimilar materials or even the peat moss based potting mix that your flowers were planted in at the nursery that is something that you're going to have to deal with for sure yep uh i again you know uh uh you know wedding agents is is one thing to consider um you know, it, now now that it's planted, maybe pre-plant, consider tillage. 
Um, mm-hmm. uh, the other thing too, is that, you know, even, even for, for a flower garden like that is if you are planning annuals, maybe, maybe do some, uh, some, you know, cover crops of switching out annuals for winter annuals and then summer annuals too, uh, is something, something else you can do as well to you know try and keep things going in that, in that time frame. Um, mm-hmm. let's see. Uh, then we have, uh, B butcher says, do you know if ger- generally what the water in Knoxville is? Look, this is going to vary based on, uh, utility district, to, utility district to utility district, right? So, um, you know, for instance, I'm on Hallsdale Powell and, uh, it's probably going to be different than if you're with one of the other water suppliers, right? So I know that we are around eight. Uh, typically is what I see on the water quality reports here, eight or above. Um, uh, but, it, and again, I would say you're probably not going to see anything lower than eight around here. Um, mm-hmm. just because of the type of, um, uh, contaminants that can show up in our water. Don't forget we have Oak Ridge national laboratories here, but we do a lot of nuclear research here. Uh, and you know we we've got a lot of radon here all you know all the fun stuff of what happens when you start digging into the mountains and you unearth uh you know we, it 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 can show up in our water and so you know to play it safe uh you're going to see you're going to see quite uh the higher pH on the side just to ensure nothing is uh is carrying over from you know water flowing through the mountains uh, Charles Hurley said, what about herbicide enhancers? Any, anyone use those as an alternative to AMS? Uh, the ones, the one I have comes from growers source wildfire. I, I herbicide enhancer. I, I, I don't know. Let me, let me look up uh, growers source wildfire. Let me see exactly what this is. Uh, it sounds like it's, uh, it's, it's doing something special. Um, but in, in reality, is it, Okay, here here is the label. Does it say what, what it contains? What's All right, in it? it contains urea, urea sulfuric acid, uh, acetylenic diol, uh, dimethyl polysiloxane, uh, other proprietary blends of uh, of surfactants and uh, free fatty acids. So this is a combination of methylated seed oil, surfactants, and uh, organosilicones plus an acidifier. So. Uh, you can use AMS and a surfactant, or you can use this because effectively they're the same thing. Now, what this does is that it's combining three surfactant technologies, right? So methylated seed oil, which is very good at, uh, at, at uh, uh, penetration, right? I think it's the easiest way to mm-hmm. think of it. Um, an organosilicone, which is also exceptionally good at, at penetrating, you know, that waxy cuticle on the surface. And then you have a surfactant, which, you know, I hate this term, but making water wetter, it's, that's that's not accurate, but you know, for to keep things simple in explanation, you know, you're making water wetter, right? Uh, you're cutting down surface tension. How about those apples? And then you're getting Actually, a, uh, uh, a uric sulfuric acid, which is going to be acidifying. Acidifying. And you know what the siloxanes do in the, in a surfactant mat? They do something uh, that that I hear is a very common issue when making tank mixes. In that siloxanes are good anti-foaming agents Hell yeah. yes because I, because 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 you know for me sometimes when my tank mix is getting really like bubbly and foamy and it's getting difficult all i gotta do is just throw in a little bit of a ready-to-use surfactant that has the siloxanes in it 
and the foaming in the tank is gone. It just breaks all of that foam, and then I'm back in business because my nightmare is literally something what I saw many years ago where somebody was loading a spray rig, right? And there was just like a column of foam like pouring out of that uh, that tank and overflowing down the sides of the tank. Not good. Uh, so, nope. yeah, fo- foam is an issue. Yep, uh, and uh, and that's why they sell you know defoaming agents out there for for doing mm-hmm. those types of things. Uh, uh, so anyway, yeah, that's a good product, no doubt about it. It's super I, good. Yeah, uh, as far as you know, cost and and all that fun stuff, you know, I would say, you know, at the rate you have to use, it's not going to be that much more expensive than using AMS and a surfactant. So the fact that you've got it, I've, I would continue to use it 100. percent I think it's I think it's good. Um, it's a good product. The, yeah. <laughs> uh, Blip Blop Ride said, I was hoping SolarX would be good. I used Ryan Norris affiliate link. Uh, look, I will tell you this is that when they, uh, when Ryan initially started talking to them, uh, Ryan reached out to us and was like, hey, <laughs> uh, just help me co sign my bullshit here. Does this look legitimate <laughs> to you? You know, what questions do you have? Um, you know, he's like, I want to make sure that if I'm, if you know, I want to make sure this works as appeared. Uh, as it as it appears as as they're telling me, and uh, so he did. He put them through a vetting process, and uh, and that included a lot of feedback from us. And uh, and you know, we felt good about it. You know, Ryan felt good about it, and so that's how that went forward. Uh, I will say, without a doubt, he did uh, an exceptional amount of due diligence for something as simple as uh, uh, providing access to a soil test that not a lot of people know about. So. Um, that is a, mm-hmm. uh, that's a, that's a, that's a good deal in my opinion. Uh, B butcher is in first utility di- uh, district. So I looked up the water quality report here. They do not list their pH on the water quality report, uh, unfortunately. Um, and I, you know, they don't, yeah, there's just, there's not a lot of information. They just basically tell you is that a lot of the, a lot of the bad shit that could be in the water is not detected, uh, or passes, uh, you know, passes. The, the the test however they're not apply uh supplying the ph so could you could you call and ask probably um i would be willing to bet that you're going to be at an eight uh b butcher in my opinion it is worth going to amazon.com and finding a ph meter um let's see i will i will look one up here that i personally keep uh, I've got a bunch of pH meters that I keep, right? So I've got several at the office that I've got laying around. I've got a couple at my house that I have laying around. Um, the one I use now is, uh, how, how much is this? It's thirty three ninety nine. Uh, I actually got it cheaper. <laughs> if you look around, you you can probably find, uh, this, 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 oh, I'm sorry. On prime it's 28, it's 28 99 here. This is a non- uh, this is going to be a link that is not an affiliate link. I, shit. I don't, I don't have the chat open. So, uh, JPEG, if you don't mind, throw that into the chat, be butcher. It's, it's an easy one. It comes with a calibration kit. Um, so, you know, you can, you can, you can calibrate it to make sure it's going to be accurate. I will say that for the most part, these things have been, I wouldn't say just like insane accurate, but definitely good enough for what you're trying to do. Like, testing the the ph of your water at your house um and for you know for you know 30 bucks you know to have one laying around 
I think it, I think it's a great idea. Um, all right. So we have creepy, creepy Bible stories with grandpa is going absolutely nuts in the chat right now, <laughs> wigging out about, and I, I want to, I want to open the chat so I can go back and read all the, uh, 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 what, what do you call it? The schizophrenia that that's been showing up. So let me, let me go up. You have a dollar 99. It says the worms all eating all of my dirt, please help. Uh, how do you keep worms from eating all the dirt? Worms keep eating all my dirt dollar spot on all y'all's lawns. Uh, emoji, 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 LOL, uh, LOL. Uh, <laughs> I think, I think there was more. Oh yeah. I was scrolling the wrong way. My dirt is disappearing as we speak. Enter my question, please. Uh, scammed my donation. Is this a scam? Please send me my dollar ninety nine back. Uh, uh, Dan the Lawman, why do you have all that crabgrass and bare dirt? Uh, and uh, and then I have been setting worm traps. I found on Timu. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> uh, your your to answer your your schizophrenic outburst there. Uh, if you have to ask why the worms are eating your dirt. Uh, then you've you've got much more significant problems in your life uh, that you should you should probably address. Um, uh, I can I can uh, gracious I will graciously tell you to seek help, and uh, and and chances are by seeking help it will it will only increase the probability of good things happening in your life. Uh, and if you if you feel like that is slander, please. Uh, for all intents and purposes and and whatever, um, I, I, <laughs> here he goes. I, please, oh no, 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 do not, do not delete that. Do not delete that. Can you, can you undelete that message, or is it, is it gone? Do not undelete that. Uh, so, yeah, creepy Bible the- stories with Grandpa says, um, I do not have. Uh, at least I don't have a mail order wife. This what? is absolutely clutch right here. So uh, I'm going to copy and paste this on here just so it is uh, there for everyone to see. And this, oh I, I, I love exactly like I was talking about. The, the, the amount of, of whatever mental illness you have going on in your head that not <laughs> only are you going out of your mind to seek uh, attention on a ridiculous question like why are the worms eating the eating the dirt when you don't get the answer you want out of it you immediately jump to that uh, at least i don't have a mail order wife uh, that is 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 fascinating to be honest uh, <laughs> part of me part of me wants to wants to make to make fun of you to no end but uh, what i will what i will say is this uh, buddy post post your post your your physique show me your wife uh tell me all about your wife uh tell me what your wife has accomplished in her life tell me about your wife's education uh tell me about the adventures that she has has uh has sought out uh, through through her her lifespan uh tell me how long y'all been together tell me how many kids you have together and uh and then we can do the i can do the same thing in fact i'll sit down with you in a one-on-one on a zoom call or uh, we can do we can do uh, a YouTube live even and have and have and have your wife on and I'll bring my wife on and we'll just have a good old conversation. Uh, bring the drink of your choice. Of course, my wife and I will bring uh, the drink of of our choice. And I would love, I would absolutely <laughs> love to uh, to have that that conversation with you. Uh, and in case you were wondering, uh, I got my wife off Amazon Prime. 
right? And uh, and the <laughs> and the fact that that you think that I had to uh, mail order it was it was not a mail order thing. It was it was Amazon Prime. She was here next day shipping. It was great. I colonized <laughs> her, right? Uh, you know, there was a lot of a lot of colonizing that went on. You know, because uh, because you know she's she's Japanese and Asian and all that fun stuff. I don't know. Maybe she colonized me. But uh, it is it is what it is. Uh, by the way, just just so we're clear, um, and I, I don't want you to forget about this creepy Bible storage with Grandpa, is that you are a complete and total piece of shit, uh, top to bottom, left to right. You bring zero value to society. You bring zero value to humanity. You bring zero value to your family, and uh, and you're you're a fucking zero, a loser, a nobody. And uh, may God have mercy on your soul. <laughs> cool. Figured it out. I said, a lot of yeah. people are saying <laughs> I, it's, uh, I figured it was Spencer. Probably is. Uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll figure it out. Uh, Spencer, if that's, if that's you, uh, let me know. You, know you, you know how to contact me. Feel free to, uh, <laughs> feel free to uh, uh, reach out to me. Let me know. And uh, by, by the way, uh, have, you, have you heard from... Uh, Ah, never mind. I'll say that. Anyway, I'm sure. I'm sure your parents are worried about you. You should probably check in with them and and uh, and give them mm-hmm. an update on, on where you are, man. Because yeah, they yeah. are legitimately worried. I think, worried uh, I think about your you. parents are your parents are concerned. Uh, for sure. <laughs> uh, Mike said, "I'm starting to think this is just mass therapy session where he can let out the frustration with all the idiots he's had to deal with over the week." Uh, really, I had something like that. Man, I've said it before, Mike, is that I, I started YouTube as a therapy session. Um, uh, <laughs> Dark truth <laughs> is here. That's, that's funny. Uh, I started YouTube purely as therapy, right? And it was, and it was the fact that uh, you know, when, you, when you start a business and you have no money and you have no clients and you feel like you have something of value to offer, but you have nowhere to offer that value... Um, you know, YouTube became something that I could talk to and, uh, and get that dopamine hit of immediate, you know, feedback, right? Like, Oh, thank you for sharing that. That helped me so much. And it made me feel better about it. Right. And, uh, and that's why I talk about like, it's real easy to get sucked into the feedback loop of YouTube. Right. Because, you know, whether you want to or not, you do subconsciously chase that dopamine hit of positive reinforcement. Right. And so, YouTube is very much therapeutic to me, and I, I don't, I do not want to shy away from that at all. None, zero. Uh, as as much as I try to avoid it, that's why sometimes I have to uh, uh, step back, take a break from it, erase my mind from it, because you get locked into it and you'll start to chase it again. You know that's why you'll see me react to someone who leaves a negative comment on a video and I'll have to record a video about it, you know, but if someone leaves something nice to say, uh, then, you know, a lot of times you know, I'll give a high five in the comments and that's about it. Move on. And it doesn't stick with me the same way that a negative comment does. Like turf true said, take it from people who deal with a lot of, of uh, derogatory comments. Don't let it bother you. It only feeds the monsters. Uh, and there's no doubt. I shouldn't let it bother me. Uh, but you know, you know, I am a, uh, I am a terrible human being. <laughs> Uh, all right, now can we can we uh, open up the uh, the uh, the phone lines? Turf Truth, if you feel like calling in, feel free. Uh, it does not does not bother me one bit. Um, I know we want to maintain your anonymity, and uh, and so we would. I know J Pink can figure out a way how to do that, but maybe on the fly that'd be a little bit too much. J Pink, how do you feel about open lines? Oh, look. Uh, yeah, they're open. 
See, this is this is why Jay Pink's the producer. He got it. Yes. <laughs> that way. Uh, 304-804-7277. That is 304-80-GRASS. That is 304-8047-ASS. <laughs> Go ahead, cowboy. <laughs> That's my favorite. Call you think Wait, oh, is this Derek? No. Who is who is this? I, 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 ain't, this I ain't got no goddamn turtles, and I ain't chasing snakes. Oh, there ah, it is. It's busy bees. It, what are you doing? It's what Michael are you doing, Hey, yeah. <laughs> what's going on, y'all? Uh, you know, another damn. No, all, what are you up to? Uh, actually, on my way home with my landscape trailer, I got the dump trailer at the house. I got the gooseneck at the house, and I just went. And, and my brother over at the fire department about 30 miles away. Well, no, about 30 minutes away, but about 13 miles. Picked my landscape trailer back up with all our fucking equipment on it. That way I can try and mow more. Well, <laughs> you, you, called, but, um, you, you called in, and I, I'm going to interrupt you here, and what I know that when you call in is that you have psychologically overcomplicated the shit out of something, and you want to call <laughs> actually, in. Actually, no. I actually, us. no, you brought up a good point about the uh, <laughs> dopamine of YouTube. Oh, we're talking about <laughs> dopamine hits. All right. We can get behind that. Oh. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you said you was looking for a way to like express and everything like that. And uh, you get off on, well, I wouldn't say you get off on a high, but, you know, you, you get a high and you get a dopamine fix being on YouTube, being able to like actually express your views. Um, since <laughs> okay. I joined Brent with, you know, Western Mass Turf, I get that same feeling, per se. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, we, when we, well, you've been on, Ray's been on, y'all both confess to this, the only thing we wanted to do was actually bring the truth across. We wanted to make mm-hmm. it to where everyone knew the truth. And, I mean, that's like, in a, I don't know if asphyxiation is the right vocabulary for that, but maybe it is, maybe it's not, but maybe I'm looking for a different word. It has become an obsession to find and broadcast truth. And I don't call it the truth. I call it truth period because it's facts and facts aren't negotiable. Am I right? I would 100% agree with that. I'm going to play Ryan When we would get somebody something, like, okay, this is how we would approach it, but we don't know your comments, so you may have to tweak this a little bit. Exactly. I'm going to play uh, uh, Demay here, and I'm going to say that uh, it's, it's an effort to try and provide information to the best of your ability right and in that mm-hmm. in that you know mistakes are going to be made we you know we have we have turf turf truth is in the chat for example right you know and what what is is wonderful about turf truth is that whenever you know they are defending a, a position or attacking another person's uh, uh position is that there's always uh they they use a body of aggregated evidence as justification for their stance either for or against something right and and that is uh, that it takes someone who's very well read, very well educated, and uh, and knows where to find the literature in order to be able to do that. 
And to, to say that we don't, I, I can't tell you the number of times that I have hopped onto Twitter in the middle of a live stream and, uh, and typed in, you know, from at turf truth and then a topic, right. whether that be gypsum or whatever the case may be. And, uh, and, and used it to be able to quickly reference something that I remember them having talked about before, uh, to, to be able to, to reinforce a position or whatever the case may be, or, or, uh, reference, you know, the, uh, the, the body of evidence that is existing in the, in the, uh, in the world. Right. And I, you know, I think it's, it's, it's difficult to do that, right? Especially from a live standpoint, when you're, when you're recording live, it's difficult to do that because, um, uh, it, you know, you can't take the time to sit and type it out. Now with, with us, when we have three on, it's a little bit easier, right? Cause I can push the conversation off to someone else and let them talk while I get on the Google foo and start doing the Googling that I need to do and vice versa. And we can kind of work in, in unison on that way. Right. And, uh, or, but, or vice versa. You can, Hey, Jay pink. Remember when I told you about this or something that I know about, or, uh, can you cross reference this ring? Yes. hundred percent. And, and a, a lot of that happens, but at least from the, from the standpoint of, uh, I, I you know, the, Again, I'll, I'll dive more into the emotional psychology aspect of it. Is that uh, uh, all right? Uh, I'll I'll explain it this way. Like you know, for instance, if you ever get your feelings, all right. There's there have been moments that I've been through that I've seen other people go through where you have developed a relationship with someone online. Uh, then it becomes personal. You you may meet them in person or whatever, and then you know it, it kind of extends that way. And then you you lose that relationship, and then in losing that that relationship, you have you have to uh, and and as part of that relationship, you would avoid certain topics as a content creator to try and make sure that uh, that relationship stayed cushy. Right now that it's over, you you're going through the loss of a relationship, and so you go through the five stages of grief, right, from a lost relationship. And as part of that, it's trying to control how you respond to it. Right. And I'm, I'm not going to, I'll, I'll pick on, uh, uh, who is a water boy productions, uh, Joe, right. Joe, when he separated from yard mastery, he clearly went through the five stages of grief of trying to figure out, you know, everything that he had been taught from a manufacturer of trying to reintegrate back into society without that relationship and unlearn what he had been taught. Right. And, uh, and then you, part of that five stages of grief that you're going through, you start getting positive reinforcement from you know, speaking negatively about your experience. Then that becomes addicting in a sense, right? Because you're getting that dopamine hit when you're normally faced with something that pangs your stomach. Now all of a sudden you're getting a dopamine hit, right? And so whenever you start to get that pang in your stomach, you know what to do to, to correct it with, with a dopamine hit, you know, being that, you know, produce a negative piece of content that you're going to get immediate feedback for, and it's going to make people laugh. And then you're going to feel better about it. You know what I'm saying? And so it kind of creates a cycle and, uh, and, I don't know. Anyway, it's kind of a long drawn out well, well, explanation, speak, but well, speaking on that right there, we all know humans are creatures of habit. We yeah. have to have a habitual cycle. So therefore, when you go into that, would you not agree with me when I say, okay, well, you're looking for that dopamine hit. So therefore, if you got to maybe slander somebody and make yourself better, therefore, would you not do that to make yourself feel better if you're going through those five stages of grief? 
I think I think what is important that you have to do is is try and stay grounded, right? And and process process that pain and however you would offline, right? And not carry it online, so you can stay focused on what uh, what what the 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 concept of what you do producing content is, right? So, like for instance, we want to educate and we want to try to provide. Uh, uh, information to people using a body of evidence to, to support what we say, right? And not necessarily jump into immediately, uh, you know, uh, uh, just centering the content around shitting on someone. Now, we do also have to prioritize uh, entertainment, right? That's why my people watch is that they, they want entertainment. And, uh, and you know, just like we enjoy being entertained, it's entertaining for us to entertain other people, call it narcissism or whatever is, you know, part of who we are. And, uh, and, and so, uh, uh, you know, you, you, we will have a segment where we do shit on someone and I, <laughs> I, you know, to say that we weren't inspired by, by turf truth in that sense too. Uh, you know, I will say this turf truth is that before you made it to YouTube, it was something that we were trying to calculate how to do in a graceful manner. And, uh, but, but, uh, you know, it started with Jono's turf, which was actually Bono's turf uh, before before Turf Truth came along on YouTube, and uh, and I think that's why so many people uh, of, uh, accuse us of being y'all. Uh, but I can clarify right now is that uh, it is is it's very obvious that the amount of academia that exists in Turf Truth is well beyond us. Right? Uh, there's you you can just tell. Uh, you could tell. Uh, again, I mean, I'm you, you could not say, going to pretend honestly, that you we have that level of intelligence. Me, we don't. Every other pro combine all of our knowledge of all the actual factual stuff and turf truth still blows us out of the water every day. Yeah, it is what it is, and that's that's someone who has you know dedicated their career to the the ed- education side of things. And, uh, and well, you know, academia, Matt. Academia. academia. Yeah. That's that's uh, however. You know, as we are finding out, uh, when the rubber hits the road, academics often fall short. And, you know, we'll say, we'll say, uh, I'll, I'll say this, is that, you know, the beautiful thing about science is that it's ever evolving, right? And, uh, and, mm. and like one of the things we learn, for example, with humic acid and trials, right? How many times have we seen wildly uh, wildly different outcomes from a single product being applied across various conditions, right? And and so it's really difficult to narrow down what the consistency of that application is going to be, uh, because I, you know, it's so far the body of evidence has been gathered is that there's so many variables to take into consideration: source material, mm-hmm. pH. Uh, is it derived from just organic matter is it derived from linardite is it derived from peat moss you know you're going to get all kinds of different then you've got various you know soil types that are going to elicit different uh, results is it sand based is it 85 percent sand is it is it you know 40 percent organic matter is it a hydroponic system one of the questions i have on that you know different what what is the actual ph of the water that they're using for the humic when they actually make it in a liquid standpoint uh usually nine or higher for the most part it's probably gonna be like 11 pH 11. Uh-huh. And that pH is normally derived from 
adjusting water pH with potassium hydroxide or KOH. That's yeah. normally how it's done. You can do it with, uh, with, uh, potassium carbonate too. Uh, however mm-hmm. it is, uh, it's more expensive, you know, potassium carbonate is more expensive than potassium hydroxide. Um, you know, is it, is it going to produce a, a noticeably different product whether you use potassium carbonate or potassium hydroxide? I don't know. Um, you know, I, I can tell you this is that it's easier to buffer into an acid with potassium carbonate than it is potassium, uh, uh, hydroxide. This is another great point here. Turf two said in arguments could be made that humic acid does not, uh, actually exist naturally. And that's, and I'll, I'll explain that with a little bit more context, right? It's you, you know, if you were to, uh, analyze, you know, organic matter in the, um, uh, in the, in the wild, we'll say that, um, if you, if you analyzed it, uh, you know, say you did HPLC analysis or whatever, you're not going to see the humic acid molecule. What you would have to do is that in order to measure the humic acid content is that you would actually have to react it with hydroxide or something high pH. And, uh, and then, then you would measure what goes into solution, what actually dissolves at that point. Right. And so the argument that one could make is that does that chemical reaction between organic matter and a hydroxide or a chemical, uh, uh, reaction with a carbonate actually produce the humic acid molecule that you're measuring. Therefore, it doesn't exist naturally. It is a chemically reacted byproduct of, uh, you know, organic matter touching, you know, something else, reacting with something else, right? So, uh, and then, the, yes, tell you the opposite would be true with, would be, you know, the, when, when an acid fraction uh, touches organic matter and the, the, the part that becomes solubilized after that reaction is that, is that what creates fulvic acid, right? So there's a lot of, room in there wiggle room you know to it's it's hard to say right and uh i, I mean what would what, would you would have to use maybe a mass spectrometer maybe i don't know i don't, I don't know this aspect of science to be maybe able to say enough uh ray mm-hmm. would if you wanted to see a humic molecule like by analyzing you know 10 grams of compost i mean could could even a mass spec do that Possibly, possibly, but anytime you send something through a mass spectrometer, whatever you're analyzing has to be dissolved in some kind of a solvent that is compatible with the mass spectrometer and, of course, is capable of solubilizing that particular material. So again, so, we know it's going to be soluble yeah. in a high pH solution, but that may be the catalyst for the reaction that produces the humic that you're trying to analyze. So, yeah, that, that's a very that's a very good. I, that's something that I, has uh, crossed my mind lately. Is that what is humic? Is humic something that is inherently there, present in nature, or is that just a product of it's reaction with a high pH water media. I mean, you know. Well, my next it, question for it, that, right, is it, is it mm-hmm. a product or is it a byproduct? Like, if my wife was awake and I could ask her and we could actually, mm-hmm. like, do samples at, you know, her hospital and, like, run this down, <laughs> I would ask her. Yeah, yeah. You know, that that's just a, one of my little questions that I've uh, had in my mind lately is, okay, with all of this talk about humic, how much of that 
is actually a de novo product and how much of it is a byproduct or a result of that alkaline based reaction so yep. yeah you know it, it, it's like I, is, it, is it chicken before the egg or egg before chicken i mean i i'm wondering now i mean so i mean, I mean it's the age-old question which came first yeah yep. which, which is first right right busy bees and so i'm in that aspect i i tend personally to lean towards the idea that humic and humate is most likely a byproduct of that reaction that is used to isolate it from various sources of organic matter. I mean, because like one of the parent sources is shale, right? Various types of shale gets reacted with a alkaline aqueous media. So, and the thing about shale is that shale is a carbon deposit, you know, in the earth. In, in other words, y'all taking humic and spreading it or spraying it on your lawn, you might well be uh, extracting uh, dinosaurs <laughs> and spreading yeah. that out on your lawn, for all you know. <laughs> You know, in the, in, you know, here's the other thing is that, you know, does it, does, you know, again, really, or any organic matter source, you know, you can extract, you know, humic from, right? So you could yes. do it with collect, collect your, your, your stools in a bucket and high pH extract it, right? You could, you could mm -hmm. take food scrap, break it down a little bit, and then, you know, high pH extract it. You could use, uh, chicken doo doo, all right, and do, and do the same thing. And, and, you know, <laughs> The reality is, is that are you are you really capturing anything that's like Turf Truth is saying here? What are you capturing that's beneficial? You know, when turn around and and, and applied, is it going to produce a beneficial response? Right. So, well, I use this as an example, and they're saying you know relative to to urea, right? One of the things I hear is that uh, just because you don't see a response doesn't mean it's not working, right? And that is the most garbage. Uh, 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 justification of uh, to use humic acid I've ever heard. It is it is mm -hmm. unbelievable, right? Again, think about it in terms of of you know professional, you know we'll say LCOs, pro lawn care, right? Where your reputation hinges on you making a visit to the lawn, and when you leave over the course of the next two weeks, the lawn is going to be better than when you were there two weeks prior, right? Is humic acid well, well, going to produce well, well, the type of result it, it in that application? Be better or worse. Later. It could be better or worse, right? And in heavy, you goes worse. worse. Than, it all depends you're, on you're, what application you're doing. Yeah, you're you're shit yeah. out of luck, right? So you're talking about you know gauging you know what what do you want to add to the tank? Well, you know that here we are in 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 uh, you know we'll say April, and you're treating a fescue lawn. What is going to give you a better bang for your for your buck, right? Is it going to be a half pound of of nitrogen from urea, or you know three ounces per thousand of of humic acid? Oh, it's, it's gonna be AMS all day long. Yeah, right. With a little and bit of chlorinated iron or something. Yeah, I mean, it just it does. It's easy to elicit response with with nitrogen, right? With humic acid, developing any sort of response from just a humic application is is. 99% of the time, not going to give you one, right? 
And the argument that what's I mean, going it, on below ground it, it, is going to be beneficial right? in the long term is is it's standing on shaky ground at best because again we've been through a ton of of, of data sets there. Like, all right, you 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 want to capitalize on humic acid? We have a body of data, a uh, body of evidence from uh, Virginia Tech, you know, uh, establishing Kentucky bluegrass sod. Right? Okay, we've seen that. Synergistic effect effect between humic acid and uh, seaweed uh, applied every two weeks at a certain rate in, increase the uh, the speed and rate of rooting. Okay, great. Uh, when timed prior to drought stress and applications continued through the period of drought, we saw better turf grass quality uh, uh, when applied every week or two. Right. So. Uh, uh, but again, what you're, what you're, what, that sounds great. That sounds promising, right? Like, oh, I can do the same thing. Here's the thing in a pro lawn care sense, how many people are applying every two weeks? Nobody on the, on the other Nobody. side of things is, uh, who you have to time that first application correctly. How easy, easy is it to do that in a pro lawn care setting? Difficult. How many Not homeowners are going to be able to time that, right? How many homeowners are, are so well-versed enough in looking at hundreds of different properties to, to, to have those that year, years of experience to be able to say, man, I'm looking at my forecast, and I know when I see this forecast over the last 10 years that this is when everything turns sideways, I need to start my applications, right? That takes tons and tons of time and acreage to develop that, right? So, in order for the average person or even uh, uh, above average person, or I'd say even highly skilled person to get that right, to justify that cost, to justify that investment of repeat applications is likely not there. It's not going to give you a return on investment because something will get I, messed I up. Your schedule will get messed up. Your starting point will get messed up. Uh, perhaps you enter a rain period three weeks into it, and then all of a sudden, all that work for prepping for job stress went for naught. And then you're, and then you're, you're, you're out. All that money you just spent, and you could have just held on, and uh, and you wouldn't have had to worry about it to begin with, right? So, anyway, point being is that so, there's so, so many prime, variables prime to take into consideration. Right is likely not going to work mm-hmm. out for you. No, but prime example right there. You you said like hit it early. Then you hit a drought stress. Then you hit hard rain. The northeastern, like the northeast, um, like Pro Turf Serve, Lushy, uh, Jesse, Jacob, everybody up that way. They've been hammered with this. Dan down there in Florida, they've been hammered with it every single day. From what I'm assuming, from what I'm getting told. Mm-hmm. How, how do you actually make your program work there? as a professional LCO that does this day in, day out also. All right. Well, you know, I gotta, I gotta make this your last question because people are calling in like a madman, but I'll, I'll answer this is that, well, I'm sorry. I triggered some points. No, you're good. You're good in that. All right. So again, you know, that much rain that you're being pounded with, <laughs> you're, I, I'm not, I'm not going to use the word shit out of luck, but for the most part, yeah, shit, shit out of luck. Right. So what tools right. can I you draw on to help you in that, in that scenario, right? Now, if you're getting, you know, one rainfall a day, that's going to be three inches of rain in, in a one hour time period, then, uh, yeah, I mean, you're, you're gonna, you're gonna lose color and there's not really a whole lot you can do about it. And if it's coming down that aggressively, even 
you know, trying to rely on something like um, uh, uh, methylene urea is going to be difficult to do. In my opinion, methylene urea would be your best bet at trying to keep uh, 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 nitrogen available to the plant as possible. And I probably wouldn't just apply apply just methylene urea because just methylene urea in and of itself is not a strong color responder, right? So you would probably have to add a certain percentage of straight urea, you know, dissolved in that mix and and sprayed. Um, and if you're getting that much rainfall in that type of, of, of weather pattern, I would probably, you know, spray it instead of spread it timeframe. Um, but here, here's the other thing too, is that, you know, say you're getting an inch in an hour, then, you know, why I would probably look at, at granular. And I know that this is, this is where it starts to get squirrely, right? Is that, um, with the polymer coatings is that, you know, one of the things we've seen is that of a PCSEU, for instance, polycoat sulfur coat is not giving that much more longevity than just urea is. Uh, no, now, no, as you start getting into to duration 90, duration 120, yeah, you're getting the, uh, a, a longer response out of it, but you know, at what cost? Then is it worth that additional money? And, and that that's up to the applicator, right? I can't make that judgment call. That's up to the applicator because they're having to make that judgment call based on what other people are doing in, in their area, right? So if you are making an application of just urea and you know you're not going to get out there for eight weeks and you know you're getting that kind of rainfall and you know that three weeks into your app, four weeks into your app, it's it's all going to be gone, but your competitor is applying you know, 50% duration 120 and 50% urea. And then when they go back out there eight weeks after the fact, it's still got color to it. Then you know you look like you don't know what you're doing. So you have to justify that cost to make sure that you're delivering well, a result that your customer is going to be expecting. Well, let me interject on that one right there because also you said if we're getting three inches per hour, even in the best conditions ever, your soil can only uptake half inch. Per hour. Oh, yeah. No matter what it is, even if it's a sand base. Right? Can you say yay or nay? Absolutely yay. And this is where, remember what I said about people making applications before heavy rain? What do I always say to that? Don't do it. Why the hell are you doing it? Yeah, why the hell are you doing it? Because your application, I don't care if it's some kind of super-duper coated duration-type material. Do you know what I've seen happen to coated duration-type materials in heavy rains? The only thing you should that be doing fu- in heavy rains is if you're trying to amend your fucking pH and you're running fucking citric acid. Or lime. Or lime to drop your pH. But other than that, any kind of granular fertilizer, what happens if it's coated is that it rains hard enough and that stuff starts to float and when it floats that's no bueno because it's going to float and end up where exactly it doesn't belong (laughs) it ends up in the uh jimmy's lone care of space (laughs) inside joke exactly Busy piece, precisely. All right, busy. We got to run. We're going to get another caller on here. I love you, sir. I got one question for you that you brought up. What? What? When you started, you you brought up the uh, chicken poop. Yes. So 
give me a quick response on this for monoculture crop fields. What? Monoculture crop crop fields. When when you're using chicken shit, Uh pretty much, as a additive to your fertilizer. Yay or nay? Yeah, for for crop, yeah, sure. You you know, so here's the thing, too, and I think a lot of this also depends on uh, your your soil type, right? Where I'm not super studied in ag, but what I will say is that the some of the the people that I I I watched grow super ultra high yield stuff in like Valdosta, Georgia, for example, uh, that have incredibly sandy soil. Use use. Uh, yeah, if you got really sandy soil and you know, you're using, uh, an organic matter, like, like poultry manure, uh, then you're going to slow that rate of infiltration and, uh, increase that, uh, the holding capacity, you know, in and around that crop. So, uh, that, that would be good for you. Plus you're supplying NP and K in a single application, right? So in that, in that instance, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a great option. You know, again, you're getting NP and K and depending on, is it broiler litter or uh, egg layers? You know, you may be getting a lot of of uh, of, of secondary nutrients as a result of that too. Um, right? And if it's if it's broiler litter, then you know you could be you be, could be getting a lot of um, uh, you know organic organic matter as a, as a product of it as well too. So uh, anyway, in my opinion, uh, yeah, I think I think that is a, a good thing. Thank you very much. All right, have a good one. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right, there we go. We got we got Charles. Charles, what should I say Charles? Uh, Michael Beebe there is uh, uh, Charles Michael Beebe. Michael Charles Beebe uh, in South Carolina. <laughs> sounding sounded like a real country boy on the phone, and that's why you can't help but love him. That guy is South Carolina as it gets through and through. Now he lacks. He lacks. He he's got the real redneck side of a uh, uh, South Carolina accent. He doesn't have that touch of foghorn, uh, leghorn, uh, tinge of, of, you know, South Georgia accent that you hear from uh, some of the, uh, the coastal uh, South Carolina people. But I think, I think he's from the, the Greenville area. So, you know, a little bit. Yeah, he's from, he's from Greenville. And uh, the difference is, is that, you know, busy bees is not from, I guess what I call the uh, Southern aristocracy. You're right. Hey, hey says, frozen, uh, frozen Alaskan chicken. Go ahead, call in, buddy. We've got we've got it open for you. We're waiting for you. <laughs> uh, I have counted here. Uh, J Pink share with us: one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen uh, missed calls uh, from mm-hmm. you. And uh, and so anyway, it's open. It's uh, it's it's over for you to call. Go ahead. <laughs> We're waiting. And in fact, I told J Pink. I said uh, I said you know if in the call, if anyone else calls except for except for this guy, I'm just I'm curious what you have to say. I'm curious what you have to say. By all means, I hope I hope you're taking a trip to Knoxville. Let me know if you are. I need to know these things. I would love to know these <laughs> things. It's good information for me. Unbelievable. Uh, you know, again, with this, 
I want to, with the, the, the topic of what I call foo-foo dust, right? Like additives. Uh, and, and this can fall into any biostimulant category that you have out there. There is, there's always a, a use case scenario where you can get efficacy out of it. Now, is it always going to be a positive return on investment? That's the question you have to ask yourself. So, for example, like salicylic acid, non-debatably, you can elicit a very good, positive, net positive response from using salicylic acid. However, you can also get absolutely nothing out of it. Absolutely nothing out of it if you do not time your application correctly. That you know, salicylic acid was one of the first, you know, biostimulants that I, I actually understood um, uh, the importance of timing, right? And uh, there was an old product by Helena. The, the original formulation was a, a product called Kindle. And, uh, and that was a salicylic acid product. And what I learned is that after spending $2,000 on it and making applications and going back and looking at the ones that responded really well versus the ones that didn't respond well, was it was the, it was the weather pattern that you were able to see the similarities of when you got a good response, when you didn't get a good response. And what, actually what I noticed was that the ones that got timed appropriately did not elicit symptoms of drought stress as quickly as those that were not timed appropriately, right? So once I started spraying it after drought stress had set in, it wasn't like they reverted back to the pre-drought stress application, right? But the ones I caught prior to drought stress setting in, and I mean relatively close to drought stress setting in, delayed the onset of the symptoms of drought stress. And, you know, again, as an applicator, right, it takes me a, a period of time to get to all my properties, right? If you've got if you've got, you know, 300 yards you have to get to and you're only getting to 15 of them a day, then it's going to take 20. Uh, they say they're calling. Uh, Jay Pink, are we, are we getting any, any phone calls here? You'll notice it says receiving calls in the corner mm-hmm. and we can see all these unknowns that attempted. But now uh-huh. that it's open, mm-hmm. ain't trying. Mm-hmm. 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 That's fascinating. Works while uh, Busy was on the phone, but now that no one's uh-huh. on the phone... It's not working. It's not, it's, it's not coming through. Not, yeah. It's weird. Well, as far as that salicylic acid uh, is concerned, I've had a similar experience with it in that I use salicylic acid to deal with what I call wintertime limbo, where temperatures are not quite there to promote good growth, mm-hmm. yet the grass is not dormant. And at that time, the grass is also extremely disease prone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the key to that is to make the applications before winter dormancy sets in. Go ahead, you're live. Welcome to the show. Who do we have the pleasure of speaking with? Oh, this is a. Uh... Dan and Lama, and I'm just making sure that the lines are working. <laughs> we we hey, are fact Dan. checking. We're fact checking the grass factor here, and uh, Dan the lawn man checked in on us. And the difference been- is about Dan the lawn man versus whoever's been trying to call. Dan the mm-hmm. lawn man wasn't a pussy, and he let his phone number be shown. Whoever's trying oh. to call keeps calling ah. from unknown, and it doesn't seem mm-hmm. to be working. Maybe they should yeah. just mm-hmm. let their phone number be shown to me. 
I won't share yeah, with I, anyone else. It's okay. Yeah. 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 Dan, Dan how are you? I'm, I'm, talk to you. How you feeling? I'm just making sure that the phone lines are working and they're working great, guys. You guys are doing a hell of a job. And uh, first truth <laughs> is awesome to see you around, buddy. <laughs> It is. It's always a pleasure to see Turf Truth, you know, come in. And and I, again, I wish I wish we could do more interactive content with them because I know I've got I have a lot of uh, actual just questions that I'm sure they have um, uh, uh, interest in of, you know, being in the academic space and in the research space for, you know, clearly as long as their team has. Uh, you know, I know they would they would have a lot of the a lot of the answers to the to the, to the questions I have. And, uh, and I think it'd be a, you know, a fun conversation, you know, purely, purely from that standpoint, just due to the amount of exposure they've had on that front that I haven't. Right. So, uh, anyway, yeah. uh, they said, think, hey, think creatively. Quick, I got a question. Uh, yeah, and that topic you that you guys were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. fulvic acid, humic acid. Well, you didn't talk about fulvic acid. Sure. Truth, uh, kind of filled me in on that, but, uh, the urea option that you guys use for, Whatever purposes, can you go a little bit more in depth in that, and what type of purposes you're using it for? Rather, what you, what, you know, uh, attaching it to some type of uh, fungicide, insecticide, herbicide. You, urea using urea. I mean, in the in the sense that you know, Turf Truth was saying is in in terms of like gauging the the value of a product. Right? Is you apply urea and you look at the response you get from it, right? And you 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 assign right. a value, you know, mentally of that of that response, right? So it took a lawn from that had lackluster color to great color, you know. So urea, I'm gonna give, I'm gonna score a ten, right? It scored a ten, and then we'll take an alternative product, right? That uh, that you know, okay. My lawn is as chlorotic as it was prior to that last urea application that took it to a 10. And this time I'm going to apply fulvic acid attached to um, uh, uh, a seaweed and I'm going to apply it to the lawn. Okay. Did the fulvic acid plus seaweed application move the lawn to the 10 that the urea application did? Does that, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Now, yep. it, w- is, is that is that what you were asking? Or are you saying now from that point, it's like combining the things and seeing, you know, what sort of different responses you can elicit? Well, uh, it's one of the first times that I'm using urea in particular, especially after uh-huh. you sent me the the Elevate to use it in an AMS. And I tested that out in a test plot with the weeds. And then I also mm-hmm. tested raised urea in a test plot with weeds. And both of them worked magically. and um, Thing as urea is possibly the cheapest option. Um, I'm yep. just trying to think of different ways that I could put that into my uh, into my game plans when I go out there. Yeah. So you know, as like a tank additive, you know, so it, this is going to be fertility aside, right? So we're gonna we're gonna think of this as just purely a tank additive. You know, urea is going to serve a couple different purposes, right? It's it's nitrogen, and so it's going to stimulate growth. And one of the benefits of stimulating growth and then applying a pesticide, you know, whether that be a fungicide or an herbicide, um, uh, you are going to see um, usually a positive interaction with an herbicide because as you're stimulating growth, you're also facilitating the movement or translocation of that herbicide throughout the plant, right? Um, I'll give you you an example that, uh, for instance, kudzu control. Kudzu can be difficult to control. The, the way to make it easy to control 
is to combine uh, a nitrogen source with your herbicide and making that application, right? So say you tank mix urea or ammonium sulfate and glyphosate and go spray uh, kudzu, you're going to knock it out really, really well. Versus if you just took glyphosate and went and sprayed kudzu, you would not get near the amount of kill that you would as you did by adding urea to the tank. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that adding nitrogen. Hey, I is think going this is frozen be... chicken trying to call. Oh, hey, one second, Dan. Let's we're gonna buzz him in real quick. Go ahead, caller. Hey, caller. Hey, this is Dan the Lawn Man. How y'all doing? This is not Dan the Lawn Man. Who do we have the pleasure of speaking <laughs> with here? This is Dan the Lawn Man. Uh, hey, Brian, up, I, I appreciate you calling in, man. Let me ask, with your previous call, uh, what what were you looking to achieve? By the way, congrats on becoming a Master Gardener. Hello? <laughs> oh, I didn't hang up. They hung up. Oh, wow. That's My funny. goodness. Wow. Yeah, Brian. How, Weird. How do, you, how, do you, how do you like that area of North Carolina you're in? It's, uh, it's a beautiful country out there. And again... Uh, what are you, Wayne County? I think you're in. By the way, congrats on becoming a master gardener. I know, uh, I know that's uh, that's an achievement in your mind, and uh, by all means, uh, you know, good good job. That's that's good. You're you you've reached the pinnacle probably of your career. <laughs> and you know what's what's even more fascinating about that? So uh, people are asking who who is that? You know, and why he he's so. Uh, violently disappear as a matter of fact uh this guy brian we've been attracting the crazies lately right right you know we had the one guy spencer who was threatening to to come after my wife brian is the one who was calling my wife a mail order bride which is which is fascinating uh and it's amazing because his brother's a service member too like he he served our country and uh it's great guy married has a beautiful family and uh you know a, a a general, great, upstanding citizen, someone that I would personally like want to be friends with, has beautiful kids, just recently had, a, had another young baby. I mean, that's the kind of people that you're like, man, these people are awesome, right? Those are the kind of people that, that you know, we, we love to interact with, love to get to know, right? Those are the kind of people I want to surround myself with to, to be the best person of, my, of myself, best version of myself. I want to surround myself with people better than me. I notice that in a lot of service members. Why do you think I love, absolutely love, love? Turf therapy. The guy is so much better than I am in 99% of the aspects <laughs> of my life. So I want to be around him. That's why I have Ray on the show. That's why I have JP on the show. That's why I have Ryan on the show. I want to surround myself with people that are better than me, right? But it's weird that this guy is, is you know, his, his brother has all that to offer to the world. But then he comes on, and the first thing he did was drop a bunch of homophobic slurs the first time he jumped on uh and uh and i think he was he was going after uh gay people and and trans people and uh and so anyway you know we we ended up taking time you know to to figure out who he is maybe maybe why he's he's working that way you know is he going through some sort of you know distressing mental illness breakdown or whatever and uh and so you know, we're genuinely worried learned a lot about him and he's got a great family and what's crazy is that even brian the guy who called in i mean he's he's highly educated in education he's he's like mm -hmm. education his education is being an educator and uh and i actually i think wow. i think some uh some criminal justice in his in his background too and so it's fascinating 
that he can go from that to then you know calling in here and dropping a bunch of homophobic slurs uh and uh and you know with with the intent of I, I don't know. I don't know what his intent was. And that's why I asked him, you know, why, why did you call in, you know, the, the, the first time? And, uh, but you know, he's, he's a master gardener. Chances are he took his master gardener class. He passed. Therefore he feels that he has reached a level of, uh, uh, uh authority that, uh, surpasses, you know, whatever, whatever it is that we have to offer. And that's fine. I'm glad you feel that way. You know, you, you might have for all I know, I have no idea. And, uh, you know, we gave your opportunity to come on and, uh, and tell us exactly how much you have, uh, exceeded, exceeded what we know. And, uh, and you know, you didn't, you weren't able to do that. That's, that's sad. Well, that was the, uh, that was the biggest failure I think I've ever seen on the internet. I mean, that was, that was fascinating. I don't think I've seen anyone that quickly crumble and die at an opportunity before <laughs> in my life. Ah, I love the internet. Absolutely love the internet. It is one hell of a place. Uh, it's 1047. We are... <laughs> Uh-oh. My my wife messaged me. She left her phone charger under my desk right here. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to record this. Uh, hey, Asami, Kama, we had another commenter tonight say that you were my mail order bride, period. Do you have any comments that I can share with that person? Question mark. <laughs> and uh, I, I did legitimately message that to my, to my wife. Uh, it, is, it is there. <laughs> and, uh, and so we'll see. We'll see what information she has to say. Because uh, I'm sure. Oh, my good. goodness. I mean. I can just uh, I can just imagine what Asami would say. <laughs> yeah. I, I may or may not be able to share her her response. We'll see. Exactly. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm because... so impressed at the at the at the quickness that Brian <laughs> folded there. I mean, he absolutely <laughs> folded. That's incredible. Let's see. Let's see if I can let's see if I can share this. Uh <laughs> language barrier here well i said i don't understand uh oh, i wish she'd come here right now but i know i know she's she's getting ready for bed so she's not going to uh i'm gonna say someone <laughs> said that i ordered you on the internet to be my wife uh man uh We'll see. We'll see. Is this, is this Brian? Brian, are you back? Go ahead, Collie. Hey, how are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm good. Who do we have the pet pleasure of speaking with? Hey, so my name's Tyler. First time ever calling in. Uh, coming in from Raleigh, North Carolina. I've moved nice. into a new house coming. Yeah, love you guys. I mean, I've watched you for years now. Um, had a tall fescue yard for the longest time. Now I have a Bermuda yard. Brand new lawn uh, put in before I moved into this house. Wanted to see if there was any recommendations you could have other than pH. Um, 
lime, those type of stuff that you would give for a new top homeowner. For and and Bermuda sod, correct. A Tiffway, in particular. No man. Plenty of Raleigh. <laughs> correct. Yep, just south of Raleigh, North Carolina. Okay. Yeah, man. N- nitrogen is your friend. Uh, I would probably where you are. You're going to be slightly acidic soil. Uh, probably nothing even crazy. Uh, I would. I would. I would guess that you, you're going to be somewhere around a six. So, you know, as far as adding lime, I probably just out of the gate wouldn't, wouldn't jump in with it. Like, you know, we'll worry about that right now. I would just worry about nitrogen. Urea is going to be your friend here. You can get a bag of urea. And uh, if you, if you don't feel comfortable spreading it at a low rate, because literally you would have to spread like two pounds per thousand square feet. That's, that's difficult to do. Right. Um, what you can do is dissolve, we'll say like a pound in a gallon of water and spray it that way. Uh, if you want to do something even easier from a spray standpoint, then you could uh, you could go get uh, some DEF fluid that you know they use in mm-hmm. diesel trucks, and uh, mm-hmm. and and drop that in your tank at you know eighteen ounces per gallon, twenty one ounces per gallon. Spray it that way. Um, the other thing you could do is, you know, especially your first application, go get a cheap bag of triple 13 from your hardware store and, uh, and, and put it out. How, roughly how many square feet do you have? Do you know how many thousand square feet? Yeah. 2,600 square feet. So pretty small. Okay. Yeah, not okay. that big. So, you know what, uh, here's what I would probably tell you is because this is your first time feeding it. And we don't know anything about your soil. That how about five pounds of that triple thirteen per thousand square foot, and five pounds per thousand of triple thirteen is kind of a significant amount. It's easy to spread that much triple thirteen, and it's hard to f that up. It's pretty simple. Okay. And the reason why you kind of want that is because in a lot of cases. Your soil is also probably low in potassium and phosphorus as, as well. And the thing about Bermuda grass, especially hybrid Bermuda, is that that grass is so hungry for nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium altogether. Basically, it wants the complete fertilizer. So I think you'd be well served in absence of a soil test. You just drop down a little bit of 13, 13, 13 from the hardware store as a co-op, you know, easy, easily available. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I will say, like, I've been a big, like I said, I moved from a place that had a lot of tall fescue, been following uh, Pete Denny with GCI Mm. for a while. So I have Mm. some quite a bit of, um, like, the protein fertilizer. Mm-hmm. that he has mm-hmm. so i've been going through there and i will say i did get a fertilizer test i'm at 4.8 oh 4.8 hell yeah man you need lime uh you need lime badly with the, yeah, with the I, protein I, I, fertilizer I, it's slow is the only thing that i'll say um and and so you know just keep that in the back of your mind um and, and other people commenting from the raleigh area are they said that new construction is going to be incredibly low ph and also low in phosphorus as well too um uh, so, you, mm-hmm. and what what analysis of the protein did you apply? Oh, I got, 
honestly don't is, have it on top of my head. I wish it like seventeen or four, something like that. You guys, yeah, and I think that's exactly that, what it was. And the thing about that protein stuff is that it is so slow and unpredictable that I actually don't care for it on something like a Bermuda sod where you have high expectations for how it looks like. Mm-hmm. You know, you it, because if you're looking to have your lawn look like it's the best lawn on the street and you're willing to put in the work to do you know, a lot of mowing and otherwise take care of it. That would not be my first choice because I'm familiar with maintaining very high level turf grass. And one of the things that's important to me is predictability of fertilizer response. So I tend not to like slow stuff. I like stuff that responds immediately after it applies. And I have some idea as to how long I'm going to get that fertilizer response, even if it means that I need to come back in 30 days and fertilize again. That doesn't bother me. You know? have, you, have you applied any lime yet? I have. So, I've, uh, so I did get that soil test. Um, yep. Honestly, I pulled the plugs before I even pulled in uh, or even closed on the home here. Uh, so nice. I think, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I went through the North, yeah, North Carolina Department of Agriculture, got that done. I think they recommended, and I may be wrong here, 30 pounds of lime per thousand. Sounds about right. Um, initially, mm-hmm. it may have been more mm-hmm. than that, to be perfectly honest, but you said 90? No, no, no. I, d- I didn't say anything. Keep going. Keep going, yeah. Oh, sorry. So, uh, yeah. So, I forget what that initial recommendation was. I can't believe it was, if it was thirty or sixty, but whatever they recommended, that's what I put down. But knowing that it's going to be a while, I plan on doing another soil test later this fall, just to I, see kind of what that impact was. No, it's not going to be hardly anything. Skip the soil test this fall. Uh, and probably what I would do is alternate. Right, like you know, you you did that. Now I would go ahead and go out with your triple thirteen. You know, five six pounds per thousand, something like that. Uh, and then 30 days after that, uh, apply more lime, uh, you know, 30 pounds per thousand, probably a little light, maybe 50 would be, would be your friend. I'm going to tell you right now that you are going to have to apply 50 pounds per thousand square feet of lime six times, seven times, eight times over the course of the next two years. And, uh, and you, you're probably going to be getting up close to like a five and a half. And, uh, so in, uh, in, you know, the, the easiest way to do that would be like alternate, right? So you know, your first application, you know, you do your triple 13 after you do a couple apps of triple 13, you can switch to just your 4600, right. Uh, or, or, you know, a, a, a 2500 or whatever you get, that's, you know, nitrogen dominant, right. Uh, so, uh, what, it doesn't matter the analysis, it just, you know, you, you want to make sure that you're getting down ample nitrogen and then you want to alternate between that and then probably go with your lime and then go back to your nitrogen and then go back to your lime because it's at a, at a 4.8, it's going to take a significant amount of lime to move that needle. Just a lot. Unless you have like a crazy high, you know, buffer pH, which I doubt you do. Um, uh, yeah, you just be prepared Buy stock in a, in a lime mine. Loist It's probably one of the larger lime mines in the United States. Uh, so if you, if you feel like, you know, hedging, 
hedging your purchases, I would I would buy you know stock or options on with Loist, <laughs> and uh, that's a joke by the way. Um, <laughs> but you know just just understand you're going to spend Not a significant amount of money online. <laughs> Yeah, look, I appreciate you guys. You guys have been awesome throughout the years. Thanks a ton. Oh, Paul Promcuts, love him too. Never <laughs> yeah. talked to him, but I know he's not too far away. But yeah, thanks oh, for everything you guys man. do. Talk to you later. All right, thanks, man. It was good to talk to you. Nice talking right. to you. Yeah. You know, again, one of those things that reinforces, you know, that uh, there is a uh, uh, there is a disproportionate number of of good people to bad people uh in this community 99.9 percent of people that you're going to come across are going to be great people you talk to that guy clearly that's a great dude think about all the people that have called in over the years amazing people yeah right all the guests we've had true amazing people yeah you get a bad apple every every now and again and then you know it's like it's like in life you know what is it they say like every every thousand people you meet in your lifetime one of them's a murderer right you know, well, <laughs> we fit that time period where we've talked to so many good people. Of course, we got to get a, a couple of uh, murderers, serial killers or mass murderers, you know, you, you know, come in and mm-hmm. jump on the phone. You know, we've got, yeah, we've, we've, they've been coming out of the woodwork lately, but you know what? It'll be, it'll be replaced <laughs> with good people because uh, obviously, you, you know, obviously you, you, you mentioned Brian by name and, uh, and one of his accomplishments. And then they, they literally fold faster than uh, a, uh, uh, the lady at the dry cleaners, by the way. So my wife did comment and she said, uh, Amazon prime is of the old. You can now order cheap wives on Timu. Uh, but understand that a Japanese wife will be fake. Uh, it will be a Chinese brand, uh, Japanese wife. So it will, it will not be a <laughs> Japanese woman. It will be a Chinese woman that is labeled as a Japanese woman. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, those are that if you if you're looking for a mail order bride, Brian, that is the advice of my wife. And uh, <laughs> so there we there we go. Uh all right, there it's eleven o'clock. We are going to wrap up hey, uh real quick. Yo, uh what's up? JB in the YouTube chat. I don't think it's your JB. Oh he said, just finding your podcast this week. I am taking a deep dive trying to find my first battery sprayer. You have a recommendation for a good sprayer, uh, maybe one that you've used in the past. Thank you all for sharing. So I I don't have a lot of experience with backpack sprayers. I, it was actually it was Robert. It was Palmer Turf Therapy that uh, I think he used the Jayco, um, ja- and uh, Jacto, yeah, J- Jacto, Jacto. And, and liked that. Uh, I think mm-hmm. it had a lot of features like pacing features and some other things that I thought were really unique. You know what? And cool. You know what Jacto actually? You know what J- Jacto actually is? Uh, What's that, Matt? That is like a very high quality brand from Brazil. Okay. They are okay. high end because you know what? They're, they're, they're made for agricultural and industrial use. They're not exactly uh-huh. a consumer product. Okay. You know, they're, they're, they're serious. I mean, because the pitfall that I see with a lot of these battery powered sprayers is that they're basically clones from the same factory in China, most likely, that's now flooding the market from China. You know, they're, they're essentially like, there's nothing different about it. And my next question to you, JB, would be, how much area are you planning on covering with 
this backpack for you because it matters. Nor, nor, which one are you using? Nor's using a seventy-nine dollar one. He said it's still kicking. Which one is that? I think that's one that he got. Uh, I think from either forgot where he got it from, but then he, I saw it in one of his videos, and it uh, looked like it worked pretty well. The only little hiccup that he had with it is that the nozzle cap, the diameter of it was too small to take the T-Jet nozzles. That was the only hiccup with it. Uh, I mean, lots of recommendations are coming here. My Four Sons, uh, you can get an upgraded pump and battery. Uh, you can add an agitator to it. Uh, it looks like it's got a hundred PSI on it. Uh, flow zone is coming in. I've seen multiple people talk about flow zone, um, flow zone typhoon, uh, nor has a clone of the, my four sons. He had to get a different nozzle end. So it would take the T jet, but now it's good to go. Exactly. Like you said, right. Uh, he, uh, yeah, JB yeah. says he has 8,000 square feet, but rehabbing 2,500 and it is my second season with the lawn. So 8,000 square feet. Yeah, yeah, not not bad. I mean, that's uh, that's two fillings on a on a four gallon back four gallon, yeah. That's still that's still two fillings. If I did it with my seven gallon, so same difference. Mm-hmm. Because Matt, what is ten minutes to cover eight thousand square feet? Annoying. Yeah. You know, you know, Ray, I'm pulling out the permagreen. I'm not going to yank a damn backpack to spray 8,000 square feet. I'm too, <laughs> I'm too old and lazy for that. Speak for yourself. <laughs> this is the 36-year-old versus the 50-year-old, and I'm the one who's taking the lazy way out. See, Gen <laughs> X is built differently than us millennials. He just proved it. Um, anyway, JB, I, I listen, all the recommendations from everybody in here, uh, I would, I would look into every, at every one of them. So it looks like, uh, you know, nor has one that is, uh, a, uh, a, a, a clone of the, my four sons, the, my four sons, uh, the typhoon, the Jackdo, uh, uh, the, what is it? The, uh, who does the typhoon? I already forgot. Flow zone typhoon. Flow and, zone. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and and you know, take a look at them, put them into a spreadsheet. You know, watch what other people say. You know, they they like how there's an, a Strom is another one that they're saying works good. Take a look at all those. I trust everybody in here that's talking about having a good experience with it. I, now that I see it, I remember other people talking about it, and see what mm-hmm. features you like, what features you don't like. Do you want pacing? Do you want agitation? Do you want higher pressure output? Uh, you know, do you want nozzle variability and all that fun stuff? Because, you know, that would ultimately, you know, be the deciding factor of which one you choose to go with. So, um, anyway, yeah. Ray. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hope yeah. you have a good night, sir. Uh, thank you, Matt. And you too. <laughs> uh, by the way, we are going to miss the after show tonight because we don't, uh, that's why we ran long here, uh, because we don't, we don't have any, uh, any prep done. Uh, I will say this and JPEG, I'm going to get with you and we'll just, we'll go ahead and have a slight little meeting on air here. Uh, I was thinking about actually when we do the centipede group on, you know, what if we do that on a Sunday instead of a thirsty Thursday? So we do, uh, like a, a private BNR, uh, kind of show, uh, with, with those guys. And, uh, and you know, and the way, again, the way that's going to work is that, you know, they're, they're contributing to our St. Jude campaign. We care lawn care.info. Uh, they're contributing to our St. Jude ca- uh, campaign. 
uh, with the uh, with the trade off of then being able to come on and pick brains and all that fun stuff. And there's going to be a lot of talk about Centipede. And there's going to be a lot of talk about other grasses too. There's Centipede group, but a lot of them have gone ahead and made the adjustment to different grass types. So I was thinking maybe a Sunday do that actually instead of yeah. a Thursday. That'd be cool. I think that'd be fun. That'd be uh, nice. Yeah. 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 I think that'd be fun. And uh, and then I know uh, I'm at night a couple times uh, during the 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 weekend here. I don't know. We may we may get on and and do some poke our, poke our head around and see see what we can come up with. I don't know. I'm not gonna lie. I am so happy with how that went with Brian tonight. Uh, I again <laughs> watching him crumple like a paper bag was just absolutely Priceless. fascinating. It Priceless. was. It, it was. Uh, that is that Fantastic. is one of those times that. I cannot wrap my mind mind around how, how swiftly he just he folded. Don't forget, Brian. Mm-hmm. We literally know everything about you, and uh, I actually was going to reach out to your brother, and uh, and I, I'm I'm probably not at this point. We'll see if you stay disappeared or not. Uh, if you choose to come <laughs> back, by all means, I'll have the conversation with you. I'd love to hear why you went that direction on the first call. And, uh, and you know, if you can't, if you can't keep your manners about you, or you want to go down that road again, then I will. I'll actually reach out to everyone in your family and figure out what is making you tick in such a hateful way. Love everybody. Mm-hmm. Y'all have a great night. Bye-bye. Yeah.